It's hot out there, but it's great to be in here with you all. You look great. Let's all stand together. Join our hearts and hands together. Well, maybe not our hands. Let's join our hearts. Sunshine in my soul. Sing it out. There is sunshine in my soul today.
down at the pre-message. Pre Show that video. difference maker has two qualities to it for sure to give and to go we can't be difference makers that hold back and don't give and have some type of selfishness there's got to be a give aspect to our lives that we're giving of our time and our resources our talent and our attention but also there's a go part to our lives that we're able to say Lord we want to go we don't want to just resource other people to go we want to go as well and when we put the combination of a give and go in our lives then we are truly making a difference and able to affect people's lives and to connect with them at a deeper level. I'll try to keep this short since y'all are standing up here. Good morning, church. So I shared a story, um, I'll take that back. Carol Ann pretty much forced me to share this story uh, <laughs> last Sunday at our book study. And so Raymond reached out to me in the middle of the week and, and just asked if, if I wouldn't mind sharing it with the church. And so I'm usually pretty hesitant to share this story because uh, I really don't want this to be about me. Um, so just, just know that when you hear this story, that this is not about me, that this is about how good, great, and awesome uh, the Lord is, okay? So we had a, uh, back when we lived at Goodhue, uh, we had a contractor come over. His name was James. Had a little work to be done, and uh, he was an older gentleman, but uh, super hard worker, really nice man. And uh, as construction was going on, he, he developed cancer. Um, and, and we told him, you know, hey, we can finish it out ourselves. You don't have to keep coming back. But he just demanded on coming back, and, and I just really respected the work ethic that he had. Um, radiation and chemo was taking a toll on him, and he would develop these sores on his mouth, and he still just, just had a, such a great attitude. Um, and I really respected that, and just the Lord really be, began to draw me to him and, and put on the heart, you know, where, where is he at with his salvation? You know, does he know the Lord? Um, and I, I told Carol Ann, like, I just, I feel like I need to say something to him. Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start that conversation, but, but I know it needs to happen. And so I said, well, next time he comes, I'm going to say something. Next time rolls around, and I figured out a way not to have to say anything, okay? And so uh, I, I knew that I'd missed a possible opportunity there, and so, hey, next time rolls around, uh, I'm not going to miss that opportunity again. Well, sure enough. I chickened out, okay? Lack of a better word, I chickened out. Again, I figured out a way not to have to have that awkward conversation. And, uh, you know, the cancer progressed, and he, he ended up ha not being able to work anymore, and he was getting really bad, and, and um, he had left some tools at our house. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to take the tools to him instead of having his family come pick him up, and then maybe I will have one more chance to see him and take advantage of that opportunity. And so... I took the tools over to his house and um, came to the door or went to the door to, to give the tools and his family came to the door and 
I said, is James there? Well, no, he's, uh, he's in bed. He, he can't get out of bed. Um, would, would you like to see him? And immediately, selfishness came over me again, and I was like, I don't want to see this man in this awkward, it's just awkward. I don't want to see him in, in bed like this. I don't, I don't, I just couldn't handle the situation. So I said, no, 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 it's okay. I, I just, here's his tools. We appreciate everything. We're praying for him. And I turned and went and got in my truck. And I sat down, turned on the truck, and I knew in my heart, you know, there you go again. You know, missing another opportunity. The Lord's just offering them up, right? And I went to put my truck in drive, and my phone rang. It was James. I thought, are you serious? <laughs> so I answered the phone, and it's James, of course. And he said, hey, come in. Come see you. I want to see you. I said, James, it's okay. You don't need to see me. Just, just... Just take, take it easy and rest. And no, you come in here now. So I did. So I went in, I sit down, and I'm just talking to him. Small talk, talking around everything. Hey, how you doing? And I was going to chicken out again. And I got up to leave. And gave him the good old worldly line of, hey, you know, it's, the pain's going to go away one day. You're gonna, it's going to all be better. And he, he looked at me dead in the eyes, and he said, I'm scared. This is a grown man, a strong man, a hardworking man who's scared to death. And I said, what, what do you mean? He's, he said, I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm scared. And eventually, I allowed the Holy Spirit to take over, and I surrendered at that moment and said, all right, James, we're going to take care of that right here and right now. And we talked about Jesus and we talked about the Bible and we talked about the cross. And just from that point forward, we were able to just walk through everything. And I don't even really remember what I said because it was, it was not me talking. It was the Holy Spirit, okay? And eventually we were able to pray a prayer of salvation and he accepted Jesus Christ in his heart that very day. And so uh, he ended up passing away about a week later. And so, again, I say all of that. It has absolutely nothing to do with me because I, sh I want, hopefully showed every one of you that if it was left up to me, it would have been a much sadder experience in the end. And so we're leading up to uh, Difference Maker Sunday, and... A couple of points I just want to make after sharing the story. I mean, Raymond talks a lot about this door and about how it's not just the person on the other side of the door, it's the person, us, on the outside of the door as well. And I mean, the Lord was, was able to show me so much about himself through that experience, how he just yearns and desires that all come to know him. And he was not going to stop and let me mess that up. He was going hard after James's heart. Um, and one more thing I want to share that I didn't share about the story earlier that just speaks to, to the Lord and his, his greatness. When we were talking and we were having those conversations just about the cross and about God, James made mention that in the week prior, people had come by and had just mentioned things, had, had mentioned the Bible to him, had, had talked about God a little bit um, leading up to it. And so those God was sending those people in there, planting those seeds, preparing his heart, softening his heart for the moment that I was going to be there when he was going to save James. And so, as a congregation, we've been charged to go out to a thousand homes. Even after this experience that I was able to have, I don't want to do that, okay? And I want to figure out a way to get out of it. But we don't need the pressure on us to, to be the one who, you know, shares the exact right words. We can be those people that came to James before I was there and just be the ones that plant that seed. Let God do the rest. There's no pressure on us whatsoever, okay? And so just Raymond wanted me to share that story kind of leading up into our Difference Maker Sunday, and so I'd, I'd like to pray for us as a church moving forward. Father God, just thank you for um, what, what you showed me about yourself in this, in this story and that um, 
just ask that you would uh, possibly move through this story in someone else's life and, and give people confidence that maybe they didn't have. I just pray for our church and as a congregation that we would boldly commit to, uh, to making an effort in coming and, and, and going out as teams of two uh, to a thousand homes in our neighborhood surrounding Westgate. And so we just ask that you would already go before us, God, just as Raymond always says, and that you would prepare the hearts of those homes that the people that live in those homes that we will be talking to and just go ahead and do the work um, and allow us to just be vessels to come in behind you, Lord. We love you and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Jason. You know, there's a, another way that we can be difference makers too, and a lot of you are already involved with the Heart for Inmates program that we have here at Westgate that uh, Vivian heads up and Lily assists her with that. I want you to know that uh, we got a couple of letters from some inmates, and this came right after, right before, right after around Father's Day. I failed to mention it um, the end of June whenever Vivian had the table out there, but uh, I want you to be sure to stop by the uh, prison ministry table and sign birthday cards and sign the prayer request card and pick up those prayer requests, take them home and pray for them, and then check out the two letters that a couple of inmates wrote. Uh, I know you're going to want to see them. Uh, one especially, I tell you, Raphael, you want to look at his penmanship. It's beautiful. I only wish I could write half as beautiful as his penmanship is, but uh, be sure to stop by the table um, at the end of the service and uh, sign those cards and uh, pray for these men. And I believe there's two, do we have two prisoners that are looking for um, people to correspond with them, to write letters to? Two, two men. Two men, okay? So if God's laying that on your heart, please get involved in that ministry. Stop by there and, and talk to them at the table, okay? Let's all stand together. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Go I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out on, turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your
Your blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. It's righteousness for me. It stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. Your blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. It speaks righteousness to me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood.
the shade and my right hand my shelter from the storm no sun by day nor moon by night shall ever bring me harm he will not suffer will not sleep he watches all Westgate uh, Memorial Baptist Church. Um, as we were, Pastor Raymond and I were talking about um, what I was going to be speaking about today, he told me I could choose whatever I wanted to speak on. And so I was like, hey, that's dangerous. Like, you're giving me free reign on what I want to talk about, right? And so um, I settled in on some of my favorite verses in Scripture. Um, that's 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. So as you want to turn there briefly, um, and then I'm just going to talk about some other stuff. Um, really, I just wanted to begin by thanking you as a church. Um, you've really made me and Alex feel like family. Um, you know, we moved down here. Uh, I'm from Arkansas. And she's from Tennessee. So a lot of our family, you know, is about eight hours away. But y'all have really made us feel welcome here. You've invited us into your home. You've had us over to eat. Um, it's just been incredible, and it's made us feel very welcome here in Beaumont. 
We are super excited to um, join in with y'all as a church. Um, we want to be a part of every aspect of ministry that this church has. Um, we don't want to just be over in the youth hall. You know, we want to be playing pickleball, which I didn't know was this intense until we, we came here. But um, yeah, so we want to be in the pickleball. We want to be a part of every aspect of the church. I want to get to know each and every one of you. Um, it may take me a while, but uh, we'll get there. And so if you haven't come and introduce yourself, please do. I want to I meet you. I want to get to know you. Um, we're super excited to join um, in with y'all with what God is doing here in Beaumont. So thank you for that. Um, and uh, before we read and jump into the scripture, um, let us pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just praise your name for today. We just thank you, Father, for your word and for the chance to to learn more about you and more about the promises that you have given us as believers. Um, I praise your name and thank you just for the chance to come and worship you and to glorify you, Father. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me and that it wouldn't be my words, but that it would be yours um, that is spoken today. I pray also, Lord, you would help us to remember what you tell us and what you teach us through your word. Um, Help us to apply it to our lives um, this week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Um, many of you probably know the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Um, they were missionaries to the Amazon in the country of Ecuador in the 1950s. There's a, a movie that was made called The End of the Spear, um, and there's various biographies and stuff. I really, really recommend you at least look it up and read about them. So I'm just going to give you a brief overview of their story. And so Basically what it is, they were missionaries to the Amazon, and so Jim and, uh, was a pilot, and he would fly around as, tri- as these missionaries went out to these different tribes on all of the Amazon's tributaries and the rivers and in, there, in the rainforest, and so he would fly around, and he would give them different supplies, and he would also do missions and do work um, as they were going to these different tribes. Well, as they're doing their mis- ministry there, um, they, they kept hearing the name of a certain tribe called the Auka tribe. And this Aoka tribe had, was infamous for the level of brutality that they had. Um, they would often murder just for the fun of it. If you looked at somebody wrong, boom. That was how brutal and vicious they were. And many of the tribes that surrounded them said, hey, we don't have anything to do with them. We stay away from them because of how brutal that they were. Um, well, the Lord does funny things, right? Well, he placed it on the hearts of Jim and Elizabeth to take the gospel to this tribe. And so what ends up happening is they begin praying about it. You know, they're kind of they're nervous. They're kind of wondering what's going on. But they begin taking the plane, um, and they begin scouring the rainforest for the, in the area that they were told that these people lived. So they're doing the grid search pattern. They're flying back and forth looking for this tribe. And finally, one day, they find it. They find where this tribe, what they believe is this tribe. And so they're like, oh, we found it. You know, praise the Lord. Like, okay, what do we do now? Well, First, we've got to find a way to land the plane, right? <laughs> like, we're in the rainforest, right? There's nowhere to land it. So they end up finding a way to land the plane on the riverbank. And so they had to wait for a certain time of day and a certain time of year, I, I believe, to land this plane on the riverbank so that they could then get out and talk to this tribe. And so what ends up happening is they begin planning, they begin waiting for the specific day, and eventually the day comes. They're going to meet this infamous tribe that is very brutal and they are vicious. Um, with what they've heard. So they end up landing the plane there, and uh, Jim and some of his buddies go out. Um, they land the plane. They're, they're kind of walking around, you know, looking around like, okay, what are we doing? Um, you know, they didn't have phones then to, like, text them and say, hey, we're coming by, you know. Um, so they, they, they land, and they're walking around. They're looking for, you know, some of the tribes people. They don't really know kind of exactly where they're from, and a few of them end up coming out to see them. And what they did was they heard the plane, which they called a bumblebee, a big bumblebee in their language, which I guess because the propeller, you know, is, makes the sound of a bumblebee. And um, anyway, so they, they end up talking to these tribes, people, the few that come out. They end up encouraging them, and they end up taking them in the plane and flying them around. And so they're, they're talking with them in the broken language that they have, that the other tribes have kind of taught them um, how to speak. And they just, just enough to say, like, hey, we're going to come back tomorrow, and we want to meet the rest of the tribe. And so, you know, they're praising the Lord. They're saying, this is our chance to take the gospel to this people group. This is our chance to, um, you know, reach these people for the kingdom of God. And so they, they fly out that day, and then they come back 
the next day, and as they're getting out, Jim and his four friends, they're expecting to be able to see these people meet the rest of the tribe and take the gospel to them. That's not what happens. The tribes, people that they had met, ended up going back to their tribe and lying about what occurred to them. They made up some stuff that happened to them. They said they were kidnapped and some other things had happened to them. And this gets that tribe in an uproar. Remember, they're brutal, they're vicious. And they go out and they kill Jim and his friends as they were taking the gospel to them. And in this, this moment, you know, the rest of us would probably check out. We, as Elizabeth Elliot was mourning this loss of her husband as they were trying to take the gospel, I, you know, I would have been done. I would have been like, we're going home. I'm done. Like, obviously, this was not God's will for us to go to this tribe. Like, we shouldn't have even tried. But what Elizabeth does is different. Instead, as she's mourning her husband, she begins to pray, and she still feels the need to take the gospel to this tribe. That's what she does. She ends up moving into this tribe, living amongst them, and teaching them the gospel. She forgives this tribe. And what this did was it it flipped their whole cultural worldview upside down. And as the result of that, that obedience that she had throughout the hardest of hardships, a great many, I think the number that's in my head is like 90% of the tribe came to know the Lord. They even changed their name from the Auka tribe, and I'm blanking on the name right now, but you'll have to look it up. (laughs) You have to look it up and figure it out. And they changed their name so that it would reflect what had happened and then reflect the gospel. And so because of her obedience, she was able to share the gospel with these people, even though she went through the hardest of hard times, even though her husband was murdered for the sake of the gospel. So my question for us today, as we look at that story, is what led Elizabeth to be able to do that? What led her to be able to to forgive these people um, and be able to take the gospel with her? You know, I I would have been done. You know, that's the end of the road for me. Um, if that would have happened, you know, and you never know, I guess, but um, so that's what I want us to look at today, is how, I think, one of the many reasons that she had, I think we're going to discover today, as we look in First Peter 3 through 5. So as we turn to the scripture, um, it's important, I've always been taught, you always have to talk about the context of scripture. You always have, you know, you hear the term context is key. So we have to look at the context of scripture, like who is Peter writing to? Well, if you look a few verses above verse 3, you see that he is writing to those chosen living as exiles. Some of your, your, your um, translations will probably say something along those lines, like sojourners or aliens. What he's talking about there is he's really referring to like a temporary resident of that area. And so he's talking to these people you see in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so really this is just an area of like modern day Turkey or Asia Minor, if you're for you geography nerds out there. Um, that's who he's talking to. And so this is a part of the Roman Empire, and he's reaching out to these people, and he's saying, hey, you, of temporary residence in this area, is what he is saying. And by temporary residence, what do, you, what do you think he means? He's reminding them, hey, you, your home is not this earth. Your home is in the kingdom of God. And so he's reminding them of that um, and that. And so another thing that's important to remember is the great persecution that is going on to these people. Most scholars date this uh, writing, this letter that Peter is writing, to be after the great fire of Rome that Nero set. And so Nero is an emperor of Rome, and what he does is he sets fire to the the city of Rome so that he could build himself a palace, (laughs) is what he wanted. Well, the people didn't really like that. Rome was the symbol of the great and mighty Roman Empire. And for it to burn down really set the precedence as like, oh, wait, maybe we're not as great as we thought we were. And so there was a great anger behind this fire, and they were just looking for somebody to blame. And Nero, sensing it was going to come after him, instead pointed the finger at the Christians. He said, oh, the Christians did it. And so everybody believed him. And so really what happens after that is you have, like, government-sanctioned persecution upon the believers of the church throughout the Roman Empire. Another aspect of that um, is, that's different that needs to be said is, um, remember, like, as believers, we only worship one God. We don't bow down to multiple gods. And so anything bad that happened throughout the Roman Empire, earthquakes, war, volcanoes, whatever you want to put in there that's bad, oh, it's because of the Christians. He didn't bow down to Nero. 
He didn't bow down to the Roman pantheon of God. So obviously they punished us because of him. He didn't bow down to our gods. And so that's the Roman mindset towards these Christians. They blame them for anything bad that goes along. And um, so because of that, you see families get estranged. You see businesses get boycotted. You see people lose their lives because of their belief in Christ. And so this great persecution is coming upon this church that Peter is writing to. And that's important to remember as we read what we're going to read. So turn with me to verse 3. Starting there, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's important to pause there. Because Peter, that's his first statement. Remember what we just talked about. These people are persecuted. You know, the new believer in this moment may be questioning and saying, what did I get myself into? You know, I've lost my family. I've lost my business. I, I'm being chased down by mobs. You know, what, is it really worth me following after Christ? Or should I just kind of say, oh, just kidding, I'm going to do something else, you know? And so Peter starts out with this grand statement saying, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, hey, you temporary believer, I know there's persecution going on, but remember, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to tell us why we are able to say that, no matter what the circumstances are. And so let's look at the next part. Starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy. And I want to pause there. Because of his great mercy. You see, believer, remember where we were. We were created originally to be in a right relationship with God. We were supposed to be one, like one with God. We were, you know, Adam and Eve were walking in the garden with God in the original time. But that's not where it stops. You see, see, sin enters the picture, and mankind, all of us, have chosen to go our own way. It says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And so basically what this means, the best way that I've heard it explained, is you have God. He is holy and just and righteous. And this is one, this is an aspect of his character. And you cannot lower that at all because he is holy, he is just, he is set apart. He cannot look upon sin. And the Bible even says, for the wages of sin is death. And so one little sin separates you from God. And you are condemned to be an enemy of God for the rest of the time. And so basically what this means is like your sin, you, you, you've earned the right to be an enemy of God when you chose to sin and you sinned against a holy, righteous God. The best way I've heard this explained is the, the idea of, of a righteous judge within, within you know, the United States. And let's say that I got caught committing some kind of crime. I, I stole something valuable. Let's say something like that. And let's say it's like really valuable. It's like worth millions of dollars. And let's say I, I go in front of this judge and I, I look at the judge and my defense is, hey judge, I know I did this wrong thing over here, but look at all the good things I've done. I've helped the homeless. I have helped, uh, you know, I help uh, walk ladies across the street. I help um, teach the youth on Wednesday nights. I play kickball with them and make them feel, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I even go to church every Sunday I give and tithe like everybody else. Don't look at this bad thing over here. You should forgive me. Would any upstanding judge in our United States say, oh yeah, let's forgive that. Yeah, we'll just bypass the millions of dollars you stole and just forget. No, you're going to get punished for your crime. Well, God is in much of the same way. He's a righteous judge. He judged righteously, and sin goes against his command. And so he has to punish sin. He can't let it slide, or he would cease to be who he is. He would cease to be God. And so you have to hold God as righteous. He is holy. He is set apart. And his wrath is going to be poured out on the sin that we have. And if that's where we stop the story, we would be in a very bad spot, right? We would have no hope. We would have no way of gaining a redemption. Because we can't earn it on our own. Remember, one sin is enough to separate us from him for eternity. But because of his great mercy, he chose to love us and provide a way to reconcile us back to him. He made a way when there was no way. See, John 3.16, that's the verse I always go back to. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his son, Jesus, 
to live the perfect life, the sinless life that you and I couldn't live, he lived that life. He never sinned, and he sent him to the cross to take our judgment. So he sends him to the cross to take, take our sin, and so our sin was placed upon Jesus, and God poured out the wrath of all of the sin that has ever been committed, it's being committed right now, or will be committed. And so because of that, Jesus, but because Jesus was sinless, he received that wrath. He took the payment that we deserved, and he died, and then he rose again on the third day. And by, we see it here, if we continue on, it says, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so this resurrection of Jesus, that is our living hope. That is the check being cleared. That is our payment being paid. God's wrath has already been spent out. And if you place your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, make him Lord of your life and repent of your sins, then the Bible says you will be saved. And that's something that I'm calling you to think about today. And that is something that, that we as believers, because of his great mercy, we can say, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what he has done for us through the gospel. We can cry out and say, blessed be God. No matter the circumstance, we can say, blessed be God, the Father. And it gets even better than that. Not only have we been redeemed, it gets better. And so we see in verse 4, we'll start in verse 3. It says, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It says in verse 4, and into inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So this idea of an inheritance, right, is something you receive, um, you know, most after your parents have, have passed away. But I think there's an important aspect of this that we need, we need to talk about. In Galatians 4, 7, um, Paul is talking about this idea of adoption and saying you've been adopted into the family of God. And this is what he says. He says, so you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then God has made you an heir. So through our redemption in Christ, we have been accepted into the family of God. We were once enemies of God, but because of what he did for us on the cross, we are now sons and daughters of God. We are sons and daughters of him. And that should be mind-blowing. You know, if you really think about it, what we deserved and what we have received, we have received an inheritance that is imperishable. It can never go away. It is undefiled. It can never be taken away from us. It can never be changed. And it is unfading. It will never fade away into history. That is something that we as believers, we can hang our hat on. We can say, this is true. That we have an inheritance that will never fade, it will never perish. We get to gain access to be with God in heaven after we pass away. I love the, the testimony that Jason shared earlier and the hope that you gave that man. And this is, this is what he received when he prayed and received that prayer. So he gained access to God to be with him for all eternity. And that should be hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. And because of this, we can say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't even stop there. It gets even better. Not only have we gained access to heaven, not only have we been redeemed, it gets even better. In verse 5 it says, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It says you're being guarded by God's power. You know, a lot of people take this verse and they twist it and they say, oh, this means nothing bad will ever happen to you in this life. Well, remember who Peter is talking to. He's talking to the persecuted believer who is going through extreme hardship, probably something that we, we can't even imagine what it is like these believers are going through. And that's who he's talking to. So he's not saying, hey, God's going to keep you from hardship in this life, because if that were what he was saying, then the believer's going to be like, well, what is he doing? <laughs> you know, I'm going under hardship right now. This is hard. No, you have to take the context in to understand what it says. It says, you are being guarded by God's power through the faith that you have in Christ, through the faith you have in what Jesus has done on the cross for you in the gospel, for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So you remember that, that idea at the very beginning. He's talking to the sojourner. He's talking to the exile, the alien. He's saying, hey, you temporary resident, remember that this isn't your home. Your home is in heaven with Jesus. You are here 
as the scripture says elsewhere, as an ambassador for Christ. You are here sent on a mission to be about the commands of Jesus, to make disciples of all nations. And that is your purpose, believer. And remember the promise that God has given you, that you are being guarded by God's power. It says in scripture that nothing can pluck you from his hand as a believer. And so that is, some, that is truth that we can hang on to, that we as believers can hang on to. And so these three reasons, I think, are some of the main reasons that, um, that we were able to say, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of the promises that we have received as believers. And I think, for, for me, I so easily forget these. I so easily get lost in the minutia of the day-to-day activity. But that... And this is why Peter is able to say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to the persecuted believer. This is one of the many reasons that Elizabeth Elliot, I believe, was able to, to carry on her mission to the Iuka tribes people. That she had just lost her husband, and yet she was able to keep what was most important, most important. She knew and believed these truths, and that was one of the reasons why she was able to carry the gospel, and God was still able to use her and use that tragic moment to reach many, many, many people for the gospel. People that, that we probably would have said were unredeemable received the gospel because of her faithfulness. And I believe that she remembered some of these truths and probably many more from Scripture. But these truths were probably some that, that her home was elsewhere. And that is who it is. So to the believer today, I, my question kind of stands, is do we live our lives as if we, we believe these truths? Do we live our lives as if we have received these truths and, and that gives us hope above hope? Or do we, we allow the worries of the day-to-day life to overcome us and, and we make those things so much more important than they are? Because when you remember these truths, they make everything else pale in comparison. I have eternity with Jesus and God in heaven. That makes what's going on around me seem very small. And so my call to us is, is it's hard to remember that as an individual. <laughs> I think we as a, a community of believers need to help each other remember that. If you see somebody struggling, remind them of what they have through Jesus. Remind me, remind yourself. That's something I try to do daily is remind me myself of the gospel and what has been done for me. And then the second question I have for a, the believer today is, are you willing to share this gift that you have received, this great gift that you have received? You know, we have something that we're going to do um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to knock on the door, you know. And though that may be uncomfortable, though that may be scary, I, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. I and mean, we just heard a, a testimony that it's the Holy Spirit that works through you that's going to carry the weight of the day. It is not something on my ability. I'm just called to be obedient. And I think if we, we remember the truths that we have talked about today, that's super helpful to know and to, to want to share. I mean, that is the greatest gift imaginable. We should want to share that with the people around us. Let's not let the worries of our day or, or the, the fear that of what somebody looks at me to, to keep that from somebody. So that's my call today is just think about it. Think about, am I willing to share this gift with somebody else? And lastly, to the non-believer in the room, to you who haven't trusted the Lord as your Lord and Savior, The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. If you place your trust and your faith in Jesus and make him Lord of your life and repent of your sins, then you will be saved. And so if that's something you want to talk about, you can come find me, you can find Jeff or Warren or look around to a friendly face around you, and we would love nothing more than tell you what it means to become a believer in Christ. You can find me over at the cross over here after we celebrate the Lord's Supper um, that we're going to do. We're going to remember what Jesus has done for us, and what we have gained through him. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to enter a time of the Lord's Supper, and let's remember what Jesus did for us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I just pray and say, blessed be the name of God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise you, Father, for what you have done for us. We deserved to be an enemy of you, Lord, because of our sin. But yet you chose to love us and send your son to die in our place. I pray, Father, help us to remember that. Help us to not become calloused to this truth. 
Lord, help us to, to remember it and worship your name because of what you've done for us. Help us to be motivated to share what we have gained with others. And I pray if there's someone in this room that doesn't know you, I pray, Father, that you would just help them to understand your gospel, help them to come to you in faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Deacons, would you please begin to make your way down to the front as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper. And when I say prepare, I don't mean just to clear your hands and to get ready to receive the elements as they come by, but to begin to prepare your heart to receive this remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us that makes us possible to come together as a body of believers here in this place this morning to be restored to that right relationship as Stephen shared with that holy God. And so begin to prepare yourself to receive this ordinance that we have been that we have been commanded to observe and to remember what was done for us. So begin to prepare yourself as our deacons distribute the elements of the Lord's Supper at this time.
Father, as we gather as a group of brothers and sisters in Christ and partake in this supper, we remember that we were all sinners and are sinners who are separated by you and a debt that we could not pay, but a debt that was paid by your son through his broken body and shed blood. Father, as we uh, remember that, we remember what he did for each one of us, we take this supper. Father, we know that there's nothing that we can do to repay you, but Father, let us remember this. Let us offer you our hearts. We pray these things in our Lord and Savior Jesus' name, amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, when you eat this bread, eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood which has been shed for you, the new covenant that has been given for you. Take this cup in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and for the hope that that gives to each one of us. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. If you would stand as we prepare to be dismissed, just a couple of, of announcements. Hope that you'll join us tonight at 5 o'clock for the Difference Maker Bible Study. If you're not sure where your group meets, you can stop by the connection desk in the foyer and find out where your group is meeting but then also we've had another ministry opportunity that has come our way this coming Tuesday uh, there will be a group meeting at uh, the Ritter Lumberyard Mike can you give me that time do you know the time 8 a.m. at the Ritter Lumber Company uh, the Texas Baptist men will be meeting there uh, to minister to those families who uh, were hit uh, when the levee broke uh, next to their neighborhood. Uh, there's, uh, I think, at least four homes that were affected. And uh, so if you are, uh, are interested in knowing more about Texas Baptist Men and the ministry that they have uh, in situations like that, you can join them uh, Tuesday morning uh, at 8 o'clock at the Ritter Lumberyard on 105. Warren? in grace tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us now boldly we approach on earthly confidence it's only by your blood what can wash away
weeks. See you back tonight.